Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back. Andrew McPeak here, and we are in for a treat today. Today, Tim is sitting down with Daniel Pink. He's an amazing, amazing author and thinker. You're going to love all the stuff that he has to say. So let me introduce Dan really quick, and then I'll jump right into this conversation. Dan Pink is the author of five New York Times bestsellers, including his latest book, The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. With Pink's signature blend of big ideas and practical takeaways, captivating stories, and crisp humor, The Power of Regret offers an urgent and indispensable guide for a life well lived. His other books include the New York Times bestsellers, Win and A Whole New Mind, as well as the number one New York Times bestsellers, Drive and To Sell is Human. Dan's books have won multiple awards, have been translated into 42 different languages, and have sold millions of copies around the world. In today's episode, Tim and Dan are going to sit down to discuss how regret is our most misunderstood emotion and how it can actually be the pathway to our best life. You truly are in for a treat today. So, Tim, take it away. Dan, it's always great to talk to you. I think you've been on our podcast at least a couple of other times. We're honored to have you. Thanks for joining me today. Tim, I'm so glad to be back. And apparently, if I get my ticket punched four more times, I get a free bagel. That's right. So that's, that's exactly so I'm, I can't wait to do a few more. So, Dan, your late, I, I love every one of your books, um, but your latest one, I, it took me by surprise because I don't know anybody else that's writing about regrets. And if we do, we always try to do a positive spin. Just put it behind you. Think positive. You actually said, no, 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 no. Harness that puppy and make it work. So could we jump right in? I love the topic. Start by talking about uh, the central idea of the book and why you approached it this way. Well, the central idea of the book, Tim, is that that regret is a profoundly misunderstood emotion for very much the reasons that you're describing. Uh, We have been sold essentially a bill of goods. It says that regret is inherently bad for us, that we should be positive all the time, never be negative, that we should look forward and not look back. And if you look at the science, uh, we have 60 years of science on this emotion. And if you look at some of the research that I've done, that turns out to be pretty bad advice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we underthink. You just mentioned that we kind of underthink about this. We we know being positive and hopeful is good, so we automatically put anything negative, like regret, uh, behind us. But um, I love the fact that in this book you talk about. You even give us a game plan, which we'll get to in just a minute. So, Dan, you did a lot of research and even conducted some global surveys on this subject. And you found that there's four kinds of regrets. Talk about those four kinds of regrets. Sure. And the way I found this out, again, just to show my work, because I know we have teachers on here, so and maybe some algebra teachers, so I want to show my yeah. work. The, 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 the way that I'm able to make some of these claims is, is threefold. Number one, as I mentioned, there's, there's, there's about a half century of work in academics, cognitive science, uh, developmental psychology, which I think educators should be inter- are, are obviously interested in, social psychology, neuroscience. Yeah. Um, there is, I, I did my own, uh, uh, public opinion survey, the largest public opinion survey ever conducted of American attitudes about regret. And then I also collected wow. now about 25,000 regrets from all over the world. And so that's how I'm able to make these claims. What the science tells us is that regret is one of the most common emotions that human beings have. It's utterly normal. It's ubiquitous in the human experience. And what it also tells us is that if we treat our regrets properly, 
again, I like sort of your terminology here. It's one I haven't thought about before, sort of not underthinking it, our, our regret, saying forget about it, but also not overthinking it, wallowing in it, but just yeah, directly yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, regret is a transformative yeah. emotion. It can help us on a whole array of things. Now, yeah. as for the question you actually asked me directly, let me give you a, a, a direct, but of course, lengthy answer to that question. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, uh, what I found in, in collecting uh, these regrets, and I said, as I mentioned, we have a database now of over, over 25,000 regrets from people in well over 100 countries, that around the world, people seem to have these same four kinds of regrets. Uh, I'll quickly go over them. One of them is what I call foundation regrets. Foundation regrets are regrets uh, about small decisions made early in life that accumulate to negative consequences later. So a classic one would be, I spent too much and saved too little, and now I'm broke. But you also see this in health yeah. and education. You see it in health. I, I never exercised or, or, or ate properly, and now I'm profoundly out of shape. Or you see a lot of them in the education sphere as people reflect on their lives saying, yeah. oh, man, I really blew it. I wish I were more conscientious in school. I wish I had worked harder. Foundation regrets, if only I'd yeah. done the work. Second category, I think very important for educators, particularly of adolescents. Foundation regrets are, both these regrets are this. You have a choice in your life. You can play it safe or take the chance. And overwhelmingly, when people yeah. don't take the chance, they regret it. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And this is everything. This is everything from in higher education to studying abroad. If only I'd studied abroad, I was too chicken to do that. Asking people out on dates, um, starting businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Third category, moral regrets, moral regrets. These are, yeah. you're at a juncture in your life. You can do the right thing. You can do the wrong thing. When we do the wrong thing, we often regret it. Most of us regret it most of the time. Yeah. And we have, again, yeah. for, you know, I think what's really salient for educators here is an enormous number of regrets from around the world about bullying, uh, usually much earlier, uh, much earlier pre-adulthood bullying. And then finally, we have connection regrets, which are regrets about relationships um, of any kind yes. that, that, that come apart, usually slowly, almost imperceptibly. Somebody wants to reach out, they don't, it widens even more, and they regret it. And so what we've got is we've got foundation regrets, if only I'd done the work, boldness regrets, if only yeah. I'd taken the chance, moral regrets, if only I'd done the right thing and connection regrets if only I'd reached out. And uh, with remarkable wow. similarity all over the world, people seem to have those kinds of regrets. Isn't that interesting? Um, so I'm immediately thinking of the world that we're in, Dan, you know, the educator, the athletic coach, the, the youth worker, um, employer that yeah. has young team members, anybody that cares about the next generation. I'm hearing a disproportionate amount of high school or college students that would say, ah, I regret and it's one of these four, but it's, I feel behind now. I feel postponed. Uh, well, the pandemic made a bunch of Gen Zers feel postponed. What would you say to maybe an 18 year old that just feels like now I'm way behind, what do I do? Would you? Yeah, what, that's what a really say? important question. And it goes, I think even deeper than regret, but we can start to explore it with regret by actually yeah. understanding what regret is. Now there's a, there's a difference between regret and disappointment. Uh, let me think of an example. Okay, so so it happens to be a beautiful day here in Washington, D.C., but suppose that it were raining and I wanted to go out for a run. Um, I can't regret that it's raining because re yeah. regret yeah. is re for regret, you have to have agency. Regret is your fault. I can't regret that it's raining. I can yeah. be disappointed that it's raining, but it's not yeah. my fault. 
All right. Now, if I decide to go yeah. out for a walk and I know that it's raining and I don't bring an umbrella and I get all wet, I can regret that because it's it, there's agency. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so the reason this That's exploration right. is important, I, I think, in life in general, is we need to tease out where we things are our fault and where they're not. And I think a lot of yeah. times we don't get that mix right. And so if a teenager says to me, okay, I'm so, so I'm behind, I would say behind, first of all, I think you have to explore like behind what, but yes. even then it's like, wait, wait a second. It's yeah. like, everybody's behind. And also it's like, you can't yes. blame yourself for COVID. So you need to let yourself off the hook for that. And so just teasing out where you have agency and where you don't is a really important part of life in general. And so I think that's something that I would say to them. The other thing that I would say that I think is really important is a lot of times, I think a lot of us, when we are feeling down emotionally um, or when we have a negative emotion of any kind, we think that we're the only one who has that. When in fact, that's not true. It's like, yeah. you're totally not alone. It's totally normal um, to feel uh, blah or negative in the face of these calamitous kinds of events. So it's just to normalize that. And the final thing is that, you know, you're only behind if it's a race and it's not a race. Yeah, that's good. So, that's so, good. but I, 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 I empathize that. with that. I empathize with that position. And, you know, I think the question, there's a tactical question of how do you convince somebody of that? And I, I'm not sure whether yeah. it's um, yeah. parents and teachers are necessarily the only, I, I, I don't think they're the best people. I think they can help. I think what you really want is you want, yeah. um, you know, somebody who is, as similarly situated as a student as possible. And that could be, even be somebody two or three years later, two or three wow. years older saying, oh man, mm -hmm. I felt that same way when I was a senior in high school. And, yeah. and I ended up being yeah. a foolish worry. Yeah, I love that. I think you're absolutely right too. More of an uncle or an yeah. older brother than a, than a mom or dad. Yeah, who oftentimes are the culprits of the I feel behind because you need to make straight A's like I did. You need to you know get recruited because we need that scholarship or whatever. And that's yeah, just I mean, that's exactly, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's exactly yeah. right. We have so many of these regrets, you begin to see at least some mild patterns. And, and there are some really interesting, surprising number of regrets about both music and sports um, that, that I didn't write hmm. about in the book that might, be, that might be interesting. And they usually come in, yeah. they usually are about um, conscientiousness in a, in a sense. So I have somebody in the book, actually, I wrote about this guy, I was I quoted him, he said, um, I didn't give it my all playing basketball, because I, I, I thought I wouldn't be as good as my brothers. But because I didn't give it my all, I wasn't anywhere nearly as good as my brothers. And I regret not trying that. Um, you have a lot of yeah. people who, who yeah. regret quitting musical instruments or not putting themselves really, mm -hmm. really into it. And so it could yeah. be the kind of thing where you can bring in, as you say, very nicely, the, an older brother type, older sister type, to come in and say, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm in college right now, or I'm in the military right now, I'm 20 years old. And as I look back on my high school, uh, I really wish I had, you know, committed more strongly to orchestra or more strongly to the yeah, football team. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I wanna um, have you respond to a thought. Um, I was thinking this as you were talking about agency specifically. Um, you know, we teach life principles and leadership principles with images. One of our images that we, that's gone a long way when we work with high school and college students is an image we call mm. three buckets. And it's simply a photograph mm. of three buckets. And we basically say, Dan, everything that happens to you in life fits into one of three buckets. It's in your control, it's out of your control, or it's within your influence. And I think we handle our experiences 
differently in all three of those buckets. And we're most miserable when we get the wrong stuff. And, you know, we try to control things that are out of our control. We don't control things that we ought to be responsible for. Talk about that, because I think this book really has a lot to do with. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a really lovely way of, of, of thinking about that, um, because, you know, what I like about it is that if it, the premise of those buckets is that the individual has the efficacy to decide what's in what, yes. what bucket, you're not simply a, a hostage. And so I, I do like that. Yes. I do think yes. that it's, it's absolutely important to recognize that there are many things that are not in our control and agonizing over things that are in our right. control is right. debilitating and a waste of time. Um, you know, this is, this is the interesting thing, Tim. I, I think that regret offers a window into these kinds of things. So if I come, so if a student yeah. or, or if a student comes to you or, or anybody comes to you and says, I regret X, Y, or Z, I think that it's important to really examine that and, and actually try to forget about the third button for a second saying, is this something that was under your control? And is this something that was not yeah. under your control? And yeah. I've done that myself. Yeah. I'll give you an example yeah. of that. So Tina Seelig at Stanford has this idea of a failure resume. And mm-hmm. what you do is mm-hmm. you list all of your failures, screw ups, setbacks, and things like that in one column. And then in the next column, you list what lesson you learned from it. And the third column, you list what you're going to do about it. Now, when I did this myself, then I went to say what lesson I learned. And in, in several of the cases, the lesson was there wasn't a lesson. Just stuff happens. Wow. It's yes. yeah. there's bad luck. There's randomness. Yeah. There's like the universe. Yeah. It's like, you know, and so, and, and there's a, re- there's a relief to that yes. and it's complicated. And I don't think that even adults have that figured out. I mean, there's some research in personality psychology, a guy named Dan McAdams at Northwestern who has this theory of personality psychology is that it's based on narrative that, that, that our lives, we, we see our lives in terms of a narrative, in terms of a story. And there are two kinds of stories that we can tell ourselves. There is what he calls a contamination narrative, where things start good, but then get go to worse. And there's a redemption yeah. narrative, where yeah. things start not so good, but get better. And the most psychologically healthy people always try to frame their lives in terms of a redemption narrative. But that redemption has yes. some negative to yeah. it. You're just, you're, you are getting better. Yeah. But at a, at a deeper level, if we think of our lives as a story, which I think makes sense, the question then becomes, are you the author of the story or are you the actor in the story? Are you the character or are you the author? And the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, so, but it's, but it's, and it's existentially challenging. It's challenging yeah. for me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, cause you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to live a life saying I have no control. Everything is determined outside of my own will. I don't have any say over anything, but you also don't have want to have a world yeah. where you say I have agency over everything. I have agency over yes, whether it correct. rains. That's I have agency cool. over whether the Washington Wizards make the playoffs. I have agency over, you know, you don't. And, right. and, and I think that the, the interesting thing about this emotion, especially when we talk about it and it, uh, uh, when teachers talk about it, coaches talk about it, parents talk about it, is that it invites these kinds of pretty fundamental conversations about how to navigate your, your way to a life well lived. Yeah. yeah, this is absolutely liberating. So you do are, you're already helping us. You're helping me and our listeners see regret is not a negative. But one of the reasons you talk about in the book that it's good is it teaches you a lot about yourself. Talk about Well, I mean, I, I do think that it's, it's important to, at some level, it, it clarifies what you value. I think that's the most important thing that it teaches you about yourself. Yes. And that's where yeah. these four regrets come in. And again, not to be... Yeah. Just to take one step back here, just to try to shine a light, a sharper light on what's going on here. It's like you and I, everybody listening to this, I'll, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. You and I are talking on a Friday. 
So yesterday was Thursday. And on that Thursday yesterday, yeah. I made all kinds of decisions and in all kinds of took all kinds of actions, made all kinds of decisions and things like that. It is now Friday. I don't remember most of those decisions and actions and inactions and indecisions <laughs> yesterday, right? Yeah. However, there are certain things that I've done or haven't done that I remember a year later, five years later, 20 years later, and I remember them and they bug me. That's a very strong signal. Yeah. That's a very strong yeah. signal. And wow. so it's a signal about what we value. And one of the things that's, I think, ennobling and, and energizing in part about studying people's regrets is that when people tell you what they regret the most, they're telling you what they value the most. And That's so right. what do we value? And in foundation regrets, we actually value conscientiousness. All those students coming back and saying, mm -hmm. oh, I wish I had worked harder saying, oh, you know what? It turns out I value conscientiousness more than I thought. <laughs> you know, all those yeah. people who yeah. say, oh, you know, I, I so feel so bad. I'm so ashamed of myself for, I'm so, so regretful about bullying somebody five years ago, 20 years ago. What does that mean? It means like you yeah. value kindness more than you might think. You know, oh, I lost touch yeah. with some of my friends and they were meaningful to me and I was too, it felt too awkward to reach out to them. You value love. Yeah. And, and so by saying, by, by putting our fingers in our ears and never talking about our regrets, never having discussions about them, never reckoning with them, we're missing out exactly as you say, Tim, on some insights about who we are as human beings. Yeah, that's powerful. So you're familiar with a term that students use, FOMO. In fact, yeah, more than students use that, fear of missing out. Yeah, we have been hearing high school students using the term FOMU, F-O-M-U, oh. fear of messing up. So it's almost a regret in advance. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm so afraid of making a mistake. It's going to go on my transcript or it's going to be captured yeah. Yeah. on somebody's phone and yeah. now on YouTube. I'm, I'm off the track now, but comment on that. You're a dad, you're an educator, you're a leader. You have any wisdom for somebody suffering from FOMO or FOMU? Well, FOMU is new to me. I think it's really powerful. So let me let me address let me address the the, the FOMU. I think that FOMU yeah. is I don't want to put the onus, especially in education, on the students for feeling FOMU. I think that that is a we have to look at that as a systemic problem. It, yes, it's a problem so. of being in a school or a family setting or any kind of environment where there isn't psychological safety. You have to be free yeah. to speak up. You have to be free to try stuff. You have to be free to make to have smart failures because that's how we learn yes. and grow. Yeah. So I wouldn't put FOMU on the individual himself or herself. I would put it on the context yeah. that doesn't provide enough psychological safety. And this is where teachers and coaches and parents can play a big role. Yeah. And so uh, now, now FOMO is... Um, I think you can do something about that. I think that it's a, it's a question of um, partly a question of decision making and so forth. The decision making in the sense that this goes back to like psych social psychology 101, where you can have people can make decisions by trying to maximize every decision, uh, or you can make decisions yeah, by yeah. trying to satisfy. So you can say, this is good enough, or you can say, I got to do it maximally. And what we know is that maxim people who are maximizers do slightly better, but they're miserable. And, uh, and people who are satisficers yeah. do almost as well, and they're, and they're happier. And so I think that, again, a, an important, important facet of our lives is figuring out where we should maximize and where we should satisfy. And the truth is, is that on most things, yeah. you should satisfy. It's just good enough. Like, it doesn't really matter what shirt you wear yeah. today. It doesn't really yeah. matter what you have for lunch. For the adults out there, it doesn't, you know... 
if you could have a conversation with the you of 2033, any of the adults listening to this, the you of 2033 does not care what color car you bought this year. The you of 2033 does care about other things. You does Have you built relationships mm-hmm. of love with your colleagues, yep. with your family? Have you learned and grown? Have you built a solid foundation? Have you done the right thing? It's going to, you of 2033 is going to care deeply about those things, but you can satisfy on a lot more stuff. And when we satisfy yeah. on the less important stuff and maximize on the important stuff, I think there's less FOMO. Yeah, I agree. In fact, that leads me to my next question. I love the fact that you touched on that. You talk about regretting the right things. And that's a yeah. second cousin to what you're talking about now. Would you double click on that and just talk about for our listeners sake, what does it mean? to? Well, I mean, I think we know, you know, again, let's 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 go back to this crazy scenario that I gave to you about, um, you know, what is the you of 2033 going to care about? And yeah, you say, well, how how can I possibly know that? And and I think we have a we can make an educated guess because the me, the you, the Tim of 2033, the Dan of 2033 is probably going to have the same set of concerns that those 26, 25,000 people in my database have. And so what do we care about? We care about building a stable foundation. We care about, you know, not having yeah. violations of conscientiousness, um, uh, boldness yeah. regrets. One of the things that where you could probably even have some reverse mentoring is on, is on boldness. Um, when, yeah. if you look at some of my data, you, you find that when people are young, they have equal numbers of regrets of action and inaction, equal numbers of regrets about what they did and what they didn't do. But when you get to my age, I'm in my 50s, it's not even close. Three to one inaction yeah. to action regrets. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, the you of 2033 is going to say, wow. did you take it, shoot your shot? Did you take a chance? Did you step up? The regrets about morality, I think, are really powerful. Like, I think most of us are good and yeah. most of us want to be good. And we feel pretty bad when yeah. we're not good. And, and so, um, and then same thing with like building relationships that are built on building relationships of, of love. And, and I use that word intentionally. I don't mean only romantic love. I mean, the love we have for everybody. Um, and so, you know, I think that helps us make the right decisions and just chill out on the rest, man. What you just said is so liberating. And I'm just so glad that you said it. You're absolutely right. Living with the end in mind and thinking about what really matters is yeah, is and, so being, and being able to so say, hard. and it's hard. This is a good enough lunch today. This yeah, color car right. is okay. good enough. Yeah. Wearing this shirt today yeah. is good enough. And not wasting that's your right. time obsessing over that when right. you know you could be <laughs> contributing to the world or 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 doing bold things that help you learn or you know building relationships with people you care about. Yeah. Dan, I'm getting off track here, but my wife is quite perfect. She is a perfectionist, which gives me great hope because she yeah, chose yeah. me to marry. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Um, but I think a perfectionist really struggles with what you just said because they want the exact right outfit, the exact right, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's just never, they're going to be. No, and it, once again, it's but, similar to this kind of, there's, a, there's always, there's often a third way between the extremes. You know, we tend to think that the opposite of perfectionism is indifference, right? So if you're not a perfectionist, it means you don't care about anything. And it's like neither extreme is good. What you want to do is you want to actually be intensely committed to being great at things that matter. And actually- That's right. Right. Chilling out about some of the other things. And and that's hard. I mean, listen, I find that that difficult sometimes. Yeah, I do too. 
Okay, so now let's camp out for a few minutes on your uh, regret optimization framework. You help readers in your book and our listeners now understand how to handle regret. Give that framework. Well, I mean, similar to what we were talking about, because this idea, it's like what we should, you know, there's there's this idea that we should um, make decisions to minimize future regret. And that's not a bad idea, but you can't do it on every single thing. A perfectionist is going to go is yeah. is going to drive themselves um, batty doing that kind of stuff. You say, "Oh, should I send this particular uh, email as it is, or should I? Will I regret not proofreading it three times?" Yeah. That's not healthy. What you should be doing is you should be working hard to minimize regrets about foundations. You know, doing the work and building a solid foundation. Regrets about boldness, about taking the appropriate risk, about learning and growing regrets about morality and doing the right thing and regrets about relationships and connections. And that's the way to, you know, you want to minimize the right. It's like, it goes back to all these things we're talking about. You want to minimize the, the right regrets, not optimize every minimizing every regret because you can't. Yeah. Yeah, It's part of life. Dan, this has been so, I knew it would be, (laughs) I love it every time I get to talk to you, but, um, I want to give you a chance to take a minute. Is there anything else maybe I should have asked you or that you'd want to share to somebody over coffee that's listening uh, about this time? You know, it's something that the readers of this book have taught me that I wish I had put, put, I mean, I might put it into the paperback whenever that comes out, which is um, there's a lot to be said for people in positions of formal authority. So that could be Mm -hmm. um, teachers, coaches, clergy people, parents, inviting a conversation, having a conversation about their own regrets. So a coach who says to her players, you know, here's a big regret that I have. Here's what I learned from it. And here's what I'm going to do about it. Uh, I found as a parent, kids Mm. don't really love listening to your like super didactic advice, but they love hearing about your screw ups. (laughs) Here's something I messed up. Oh, here's what I learned from it. Here's what I'm going to do about it. And and I think that when you invite that conversation, two things happen. Number one is that we have the mistaken belief that when we show our mistakes and our vulnerabilities, people will think less of us. And it turns out that the exact opposite happens, that people often think more of us. So it's a way to enhance your standing and build affinity with your, with your players, with your students, with your kids, with the, with your congregation. But the other thing that it does is that it it really helps normalize regret. And so Mm -hmm. if the teacher or the coach or whoever is willing to admit their regrets, then you say, well, wait a second, that person who I think knows everything and does everything right has regrets. Yeah. Wait a second. Maybe yeah. there's hope for me. There's hope exactly. for me. So, yeah, so just, you know, right. just have a conversation oh. about it. You know, again, don't, you yeah. got to go, you, you don't not have a conversation about it. You say, I'm never going to speak about this regret, nor do you have a conversation yeah. about regret that says, oh my God, I have this regret. I can't believe what an idiot yeah. I am. I'm the worst person in the world. You don't want to have that. You want to say, here's a regret that I have. Here's what I learned from it, yeah. and here's what I'm going to do about it. And what I've heard from readers is that when they've done that, they've had some of the most fulfilling conversations they've oh. had on the job or in the classroom. Everybody wins. The young person, the leader themselves, yeah. In fact, I would say the best conversations I've had with my kids that are meaningful, they're both adult children now, but it's when I apologized, I shared regret, and they thought, thank God Dad did that too, because I just did that yeah, last week. Yeah, absolutely. Know? So, anyway. That's awesome. Dan, thank you for spending time with us. Total this pleasure. is going to Always. bless many, many, many people. 
Wow, what an incredible conversation. If you enjoyed that like I did, I know you'll probably want to dig deeper. So if you want to find out more information about our guests today, check the show notes for more information about how you can stay in touch with what they're up to. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. If you found this episode particularly helpful, share it with a friend. We would also appreciate that. If you want to stay connected with us, online. We are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, maybe other people you think we should interview or subjects you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Thanks. 